This is Structured Rambling, a podcast about ideas from literature and about literature. Episodes can focus on a single text or a theme from multiple texts. My name is Paul Sonsby. Welcome. Like most readers, I go through cycles. Having just recently come from summer, I'm still basking in the glow of a period of considered reading with several books on the go at once, and so many behind me in that two-month period of joy. One thing I decided this last spring is I was going to, over the course of a year, read all of the works of Cormac McCarthy. I've read Blood Meridian and No Country from Old Men a couple of times each, and I've read and taught The Road several times. I recorded an episode on the latter novel earlier this year, if you want to go find it. McCarthy is so good and so renowned, recognized as the best living American writer in so many circles, that I decided I should read all of his stuff. See the cascade of a life of letters that goes back 60 years. As well, I've heard that in some of his books, the hopeless cynicism isn't as prevalent as his later books, the ones that I know so well. McCarthy's funny. I have a weird love-hate relationship with his material. His sparse, lightly punctuated style is endearing and reminds me of Ernest Hemingway's. His refusal to use quotation marks for dialogue is annoying. His style is terse, and yet he's he's so verbose that his work frequently elevates to a more poetical style. I consider myself a fairly wordy guy, but I frequently encounter words in his writing that I don't know. And if not that, I encounter stunning and surprising metaphors and similes. But I'm pretty sure I wouldn't like the man if I ever met him. Everything points to him being difficult, grouchy, cynical. I've long felt that he has no faith in the human race. I've read five of his books now. This summer I got through Child of God and Satri, and I've read, seen, and watched his play, The Sunset Limited. It's hard not to view him as a nihilist. His books are very violent, and I find the American cliché of needing life or death situations and gun violence tedious. A quick scan of his Wikipedia page, of all places, shows ideas that run opposite with most of my own personal philosophy. For example, on the matter of everything in his books being life or death, he says, quote, There's no such thing as life without bloodshed. The notion that the species can be improved in some way that everyone could live in harmony is a really dangerous idea. So what's the alternative, Cormac? Shooting everybody and eating them? That's less dangerous? But then his favorite book is Moby Dick, a book I hate and a book I still hold as only famous because it's the first American international bestseller, and so Americans feel that it must be good and tell us so. I can see why he'd like it. Ahab is obsessive, cynical, and in a life-or-death struggle, and pretty much everyone who matters is dead at the end except the narrator. He resents 
Henry James and Marcel Proust for not dealing with life and death. And he once said he's, quote, not a fan of magical realism. You know, it's hard enough to get people to believe what you're telling them without making it impossible. It has to be vaguely possible. McCarthy was probably throwing shade here upon the likes of uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And the thing about having a career as long as McCarthy's, like dude's old enough to be my grandpa, he's seen a lot of literary trends. He was in high school when the beatnik writers like Ginsburg and Kerouac were changing America. But I think what McCarthy's addressing in that quote is what this podcast episode is actually about. Fantasy. And I don't mean high fantasy exclusive, my dear dungeon masters. No, I mean fantasy as a whole. Things that can't happen. It's interesting that McCarthy's adult life and the biggest chunk of his published life was in the late 20th century because, according to literary critic and Oxford professor Tom Shippey, who was writing in 2000, quote, the dominant literary mode of the 20th century has been the fantastic. If you doubt, Shippey lists as proof the works of George Orwell, William Golding, J.R.R. Tolkien, Kurt Vonnegut, Ursula Le Guin, uh, Thomas Pynchon, George R.R. R. Martin, Stephen R. Donaldson, and reprints of H.G. Wells and Jules Verne. I would add the likes of Stephen King and J.K. Rowling. Not just books. Look at movies. A quick Google of the top grossing films of all time and you get a top 10 of all fantasy save the one where the boat sinks, and the seventh edition of people driving quickly and furiously. All the rest of fantasy. Wait, Paul, you say? Avengers and Star Wars and The Lion King are fantasy? Isn't fantasy about boys fighting dragons or black knights in castles? Well, dear listener, first off, how else would you define Star Wars? Farm boy fighting Dark Knight in it castle that's a you know space globe and i mean the first one no it's not called a new hope or episode four it's called star wars secondly i suppose i should define fantasy for us before moving on i commented a minute ago about high fantasy this is a category of fantasy itself fantasy or speculative fiction if you're feeling sassy is anything that can't happen Generally, it's divided into three subgenres horror, science fiction, and fantasy proper, or pure fantasy. These are then divided into innumerable subgenres. Science fiction is divided into pure science fiction, that is, usually future predictions like Orwell's 1984 and the works of Jules Verne, and thus is a touch special because often, at some point, it proves true. And so is no longer fantastic, but it was fantastic when it was first published. Sci-fi is a subgenre that is a blend of science fiction and pure fantasy, incorporating the speculative and the magical. Think Star Wars and, to some degree, Star Trek in its magical aliens like Q or V'ger. Horror has its own subgenres because only fantastical horror like Stephen King's It or The Ring is fantasy 
horror. Slasher films like the Scream series are not fantasy horrors. You need ghosts or zombies or vampires. Stephen King started writing mostly horror, though he's grown into a writer of everything, especially a pure fantasy. Books like Misery are real-world horror, so not fantastic. Carrie is fantasy horror, and Eyes of the Dragon and the Dark Tower are purer fantasy. Eyes of the Dragon is even attempting to be high fantasy, but with a Stephen King twist. Pure fantasy is magical in nature without the speculative elements of science fiction or the terror of horror. Of course, there's overlap. King's fantasy often still has a healthy dose of the horrific, even when it's not a horror novel. And Dune and Star Wars have quite a bit of magic in them. Generally, the the split is real world versus secondary world. J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter is a real-world setting. The Narnia series by C.S. Lewis is a mix, and George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire is entirely secondary world. Martin's stuff is also part of the massive high-fantasy subgenre. This is basically Dungeons & Dragons. It's set in the Middle Ages or of something like Europe. It has elves, dragons, dwarves, magic swords. J.R.R. Tolkien didn't exactly invent it, but he created the modern standard that everything published by CSR, or TSR, uh, George R.R. Martin, David Eddings, Elizabeth Moon, and thousands of others have been ripping off for 70 years. So there's fantasy, loosely defined. If you scoff at any and all of the fantastic genre like Cormac McCarthy does, I don't think you're thinking very hard. Stephen King has more than once said he used to feel guilty about what he wrote because it didn't feel as valid as the work of his heroes, people like Hemingway, Fitzgerald, and McCarthy himself. This is one of the most successful and readable writers in history, is Stephen King. We're all very lucky that he got over this feeling and that he expanded what he would write about. I mean, have you read 112263? This is way, way past his heyday, and it's one of the most brilliant books he's ever written. And he keeps churning them out. I'm really looking forward to this, uh, I think it's called Fairy Tale that's coming out. In dealing with the accusations of escapism, Tom Shippey points out that For example, William Golding, Kurt Vonnegut, George Orwell, and J.R.R. Tolkien were all war vets, and vets of some of the most horrific battles and massacres of the 20th century. These writers chose to exorcise what they'd seen of human nature, the very worst, through fantastic elements. Shippey says, quote, nor can anyone say that they turned their backs on these events. Rather, they had to find some way of communicating and commenting on them. Shippey sees this appeal as, quote, a deeply serious response to the 20th century, the origins and nature of evil, human existence without the support of divine revelation, cultural relativity, and the corruption and constancies of language. Sorry, consistencies of language. These are themes which no one can afford to despise or need to be ashamed of studying. McCarthy is not a combat vet. He's a writer who 
impoverished his family until he found his own success. He seeks the bad in humanity that these fantasy writers saw the worst of in person. They tried to come to a catharsis. He chooses to wallow. Fantasy has always been our answer. Look at religion. Now, I know I spend a lot of time talking about religion on a podcast from a guy who doesn't believe in it. And the reason is quite simple. Religion is a lot of things. It's creed, it's cult, it's community, it's credo. But strip that all away and you get stories. And stories are what this podcast is about. They are the most important commodity we have. Religion comes from not having answers. Science pushes religion back by providing answers. And whenever science can't extend itself, religion pops up and fills in the gap. And it pops up in the form of a story. And those stories are fantastic. Why does the sun rise? Because a deity pulls a ball of flame with a flying chariot. Or because a wolf chases it across the sky every day. Or because it's the face of a superpower looking down at us and making things grow. What are trees? The spirits of trapped fairies or our ancestors watching over us. And each is a trapped little soul. How did we get here? How was the world and everything on it created? Uh, Rolled out from clay, licked out from ice, the result of a war of gods. We don't have reasons, so we come up with them. And they are fantastic, and they are in story form. There is no reason for war. Not really. It's hard to explain. Worse, when you're in it, when you see things done and do things yourself, it's got to be hard to explain why. So perhaps these great fantasy writers made up stories in order to explain what can't be by telling stories to give this nonsense of war reason. I don't think Cormac McCarthy is religious. He's notoriously reclusive, so you can't know. But works of such absolute human cynicism don't speak of a man who has paradise on the existential horizon. The concept of the fire as goodness, which appears in the road and at the end of No Country for Old Men, but that reads as much or more as a comment on the human need for hope, even in the face of hopelessness, uh, that's more of what it is than than anything faithful. Many, Many fantasy writers, though, are faithful, funny enough. Tolkien was a Catholic, and in his work, There is distinctive Catholicism if you know what you're looking for. His friend, C.S. Lewis, was a typical born-again in that once he rediscovered his Christianity, he wouldn't shut up about it. No, I'm not saying fantasy writing and faith are linked. I'm certain the statistical data wouldn't hold up to scrutiny. But it is clear that faith allows you to speculate on the unprovable and believe fantastic stories about it more readily. And so, creating your own, or in Tolkien's term, sub-creating it, isn't a big stretch. One thing fantasy is most often accused of is being escapist. Or at the very least, of oversimplifying human nature and making it conveniently basic. Evil becomes too evil, good becomes too pure. You look at a Voldemort or a Palpatine and you don't see any redeeming qualities. Their motivations are thin and justification for them are too simple. Even Thanos of the MCU is more complicated than his comics version. The movie version 
wanted to erase half the universe to save resources. He's kind of like a cosmic eco-pirate. The comic book version was just another one of those guys who wanted to gain power and rule. And marry death. I don't want to get into it. But these writers knew more about evil than we do. Some of those I've spoken of, the veterans, saw war. And no war is about good and evil. No, not even World War II. There's no pure good and there's no pure bad. Hitler and the Nazis were awful. Hitler was one of the worst humans ever. It's true. But so was Joseph Stalin. And he did the same awful stuff and he was on the winning side. The quote-unquote good guys. Dresden was firebombed by the Allies and Kurt Vonnegut was there to see it. The Americans didn't want to enter Japan and continue fighting a horrible and brutal land conflict against an entrenched and zealous Japanese army that just wouldn't quit. That's fair. But they then nuked two cities worth of regular people. And that's just the highlight at the end of World War II. It was full of deliberate civilian massacres perpetuated by both sides. What I'm saying is these war veterans who became fantasy writers knew more about true evil than any of us. True evil isn't a vampire or a Sith Lord. It's war. It's the ludicrous nature of people murdering thousands to prove a point. It's using the most basic human aggression and industrializing it. It's trench warfare. It's terms like acceptable casualty allotment or victory by attrition or liquidation of enemy prisoners or destruction of army group B or carpet bombing. So these fantasy writers who knew true evil created worlds where evil could be defined, looked at, and so could good where they have drive and purpose. They expressed true human behavior and virtue and existence in a world that made sense, having lived through awful experiences that made none. Cormac McCarthy did a stint in the United States Air Force, stationed in Alaska in the late 1950s. He was about as much at risk as Elvis was when he was in Germany. In his ridicule of the fantastic he maybe ignores that The Road, his most successful novel, and certainly his easiest to read, is a work of speculative fiction. Apocalypse fiction is usually science fiction mixed with horror. He might defend it for being an exploration of the darker side of human nature. There's rape and cannibalism and all the stuff he considers fun. But ending the world is speculative. Doing it through industrialized war is science fiction as long as it still hasn't happened yet. Does this sound like I'm crapping on Cormac McCarthy? I'm sorry. I do think he's one of the best writers in the world. I just don't agree with his view of humanity. And as I said in my road podcast, I think the dude needs a hug. Now, after all of that work I did to define fantasy earlier, let's blur the lines. This is where it gets fun. Because, in a way, all fiction, and a fair amount of nonfiction, is, strictly speaking, fantasy. In it. Allow me to explain. Or don't, and shut me off. But please, give me a rating and review. Anyway, fiction is fantasy in a sense. True, 
Speculative fiction has magic and ghosts and spaceships, but the second it's fiction, it's made up, it's unreal. That is fantasy, is it not? I mean, taking people who never existed and having them do things and say things in direct quotations is fantastic because it's completely a made up. They never existed. As for nonfiction, it's really transitioned in the past 30 years because what is truly real? Creative nonfiction is a term that gets bandied about more and more, and it's hard to define because it's like the Hollywood slogan based on a true story or inspired by true events, which is crap. How based? Harry Potter is based on a true story. Growing up is a true story. So is going to school. So is life being unfair. So is not liking a teacher or two. Based? What's based? Writers do the impossible. They take life and represent it falsely using little black ink marks on a piece of bound papyrus. The whole thing is fantastic. The whole passage is a lie. And how much fun is that? There's no truth. There's no real. There's just stories. I like Cormac McCarthy, but I'd hate to meet him. I love his creative marks on the page. I also love J.R.R. Tolkien, Frank Herbert, Margaret Atwood, Stephen King, and anyone else who uses story to touch on the platonic universals of this life. Because all story is fantastic. I want to thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed my podcast, please feel free to give me a rating and review. Episodes come out at the beginning and middle of pretty much every month. Have a great day.